hit record here. And I, w I need some testing on your end. Test, test, test. Check one, two. I don't, I can't get into this thing like this. <laughs> Check I think one, that's two. good. All right, all right we, we can work with this. So, uh, all right, Underground Teacher's Lounge. This is... One, four. 14. 14, one, episode number. 14. This is your lucky number? Yeah. Okay. Why? Um, I think we, we even started the last time about luck and yeah, superstition. Yeah, so I don't so, know why people pick things like that. Maybe it's just a number that resonates with you. But but it seems to show up in my life. Yeah, I, But I probably just notice it, though, too. So I had this uh, a habit starting in the sixth grade. Um, our My sixth grade math teacher, Mrs. Vermidal, was just... Uh, uh, an amazing human being and brought uh, happiness and positivity to school. Uh, you know, like, she she would get upset like anybody, you know. She wasn't, like, this perfect, um, unshakable human being. But she taught us a love for math in a really interesting way. So every day um, we there would be five numbers on the board, and a number circled, so a sixth number would be circled, and we could use any math symbols and order of operations to manipulate those five numbers to get to the last one. And she would take the most unique answers, and you'd get a piece of candy for it. Now, were these just random numbers that yeah. she came up well, with? Well, I think so, yeah. So you had to figure it there out. There was one, I mean, at least one solvable way for sure that she knew. Okay. But as she taught us more ways to manipulate equations, ours became more complex. So you can think about square roots and things like that that pop in in sixth grade math. And um, it became a pretty interesting thing. And, and I became, my brain became sort of obsessed with that puzzle uh, deal. And so... Um, what I would do, I would often find myself looking at a clock, picking the numbers and just assigning some random number and like manipulating numbers to try to get to it or whatever, whatever there's a series of numbers, just like made puzzles for myself out of what I saw in the world, you know, and I got 14. It was my uh, football number, my freshman year. And then again, my senior year, um, and I guess I, I liked it because it was mine, whatever. You, you, but then I, I would do things like, oh, my birthday is the 28th of February. So if you divide 28 by 2, you get 14, right? right? Like, so whatever. It's kind of a Jungian synchronicity of, of searching for it and being receptive yeah. to it. And all of a sudden it starts Showing revealing yeah. itself. So I don't know. It's a, it, yeah, whatever. Cool. I like fourteen. All right. I'm a, I'm a fan of three, and nine. I like those numbers. I don't know. Three and nine, not necessarily thirty nine. But factors and div divisors mm -hmm. of three. Anyways. Are we going all esoteric right now? No, we're oh. not going. To, we're not going <coughs> to do that. Um, What's on your mind? Lately, uh, I, I started reading a little bit more of Joseph, Joseph Campbell oh, again. Did you? Yeah, I just picked up the book the other night. And um, 
it was a section in um, Myths to Live By by Joseph Campbell. And it was a section called The Moonwalk, The Outward Journey, uh, which was quite different than the, the inward journey, which was a uh, previous uh, chapter dealing with schizophrenia. Um, the Moonwalk was all about the first moonwalk of, of man, the Neil Armstrong uh, moonwalk, and the, the broadcast televised event that was experienced, this, this one event that was experienced by one man or, or a group of men. We won't know. get into whether that was real or not. That wasn't where I was going with this, and that wasn't where Campbell was going with this either. But it was, it was along the lines of myth about uh, these, these journeys that we take. And in, within this chapter, he also related it to um, the man-ape creature uh, from 2001's um, Stanley Kubrick's famous movie, uh, Discovering the Monolith. And, and in the film, uh, I don't know if you remember the film, but the... Um, this tribe of, of man apes uh, going about their business around a watering hole and this, this monolith um, had been present for a while. At first when they first discovered it, it was it was you know it was madness and chaos and there's all this crazy music that went with it. And then it just be kind of it, it became kind of the background of, of, of their peripheral of what they needed to focus on was survival. except for one man ape monkey. Who uh, went up there and and uh, and just stood and looked at it and uh, was curious and reached out and touched it and it was it was that part that that Campbell was talking about uh, this outward journey of of progression exploration exploration and the willingness to really put yourself out there and and constantly be. Uh, be curious, you know. That's, you know, I'm I'm not doing his chapter any justice here, except for the fact that, um, you know, this was something that was nationally televised, probably globally televised when it occurred, um, and everyone was collectively part of that, and it was a huge event at that time, and it was interesting to hear to read it from his perspective. This was, you know, a book published in the '70s and. You know, it hadn't been too far off since that first, um, that first um, touchdown or the, the first uh, walk on the moon. But he related it to seeing the first, um, the first ever manned airplane or manned plane uh, in North Carolina uh, when he was a child. He went and, and watched this, this man coming in on some sort of a, a, a plane bike contraptions and, and landing. And just kind of this this idea of 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 people taking the unknown and and going with it and and how this is creating our progression to what the next level is. So that was on my mind. Wow. There was something in there, and I wish I would have wrote it down. Um, it was a. It, 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 was, it was about passing the torch, really. Mm. Um, and I, I, like I said, I don't have the exact quotation here, but um, it made me think of teaching quite a bit about this, the spark. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I mean, 
I, I'm interested in a lot of things. I mean, I'm, I'm a, to a point where I'm quite scatterbrained, really. Um, but it's, it's a, a constant curiosity of trying to learn new things, of, of just wanting to know more. Whether I retain all of that information, that's, that's probably to be debated. But um, I like to think that as I continuously learn more, I'm, I'm absorbing more and I'm becoming more aware of the world around me and my interactions with the world. And the, the idea of passing that torch, that spark, um, it really resonated with me as far as what we do to what can we do for our students to make sure that you know they understand the importance of being curious about the world. So I, that's an interesting segue to something that's been on my mind a lot. I've seen, I saw this tweet the other day about empowering students and and we've been you and I are in a in an interesting situation with uh, the way our afternoon you know like what we teach in the afternoon and uh, I, I really thought about how some students are really ready to to think about the world with an open mind and think about problems and go and try to work on those problems and, and some students need more guidance um, and that's okay and that's a part of this um, and and maybe sometimes you know and we and we've had debates and discussions about how much is how much pressure do you apply how much help do you give uh, to help students find their way on that and I think that's ultimate that's an art you know um, and one that I wouldn't say I've mastered but one that I um, reflect on and think about a lot, but I don't think it's okay to just not do anything, right? Otherwise, what are we doing? I think I think we have to be involved um, as much as they need us, right? So <clears throat> I thought about the analogy of like it'd be preposterous for me to um, Organize a football team, bring a bunch of people together to say, hey, we're going to play football. Um, give them helmets, give them shoulder pads, give supply footballs, and maybe, and maybe even paint the field, maybe not paint the field, and just say, like, go learn football, right? Would they have a better understanding of it or not? I don't think they would. They might come up with some creative ways to, to, to do things, but I would say it's going to take them a longer time to assemble and l- learn some of the basics and even run a play. Um, and I think there is power to standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm not calling myself a giant here. But what I'm saying is we get to take our body of knowledge and offer a piggyback ride for a little bit until the kid can walk and run on their own. <clears throat> That's our role as teachers. Um, and I, I guess um, I don't, I'm not trying to be too hands-on with any of my students or make any of the work my own. Um, but sometimes I feel attacked because, because I am involved in what they're doing and I'm giving them a lot of feedback and, um, 
I'm going to continue to do that because I think it's right. I think it's interesting your analogy with the football because that made me think of what what are we bringing as prior prior experience prior knowledge um, a group of people that have come together uh, you formed a football team and you you got their equipment you threw them out on the field and said go go learn S- a majority of them are probably going to come with some prior experience on that and they're going to be able to they're going to be able to figure it out how to play the game sure there's other things that you're bringing to it skill-wise, strategy-wise, that they have an experience. Right. Um, and that's, you know, now bring it back to what our afternoon looks like working with students. There's a lot of things that our students are involved with in that program over there um, at the OMU that I've never been part of. I've never been part of a, a program like this. Right. You know, my school was traditional school, mothership school. Um, and I don't think you have ever been involved with a program like that, uh, you know. So in a way, we're, we're kind of stepping into this unknown territory as well, as, as well as teaching the students in that unknown territory. What we are bringing is, is, is this, I don't know how you would phrase it. I, would, I don't want to call it a work mentality, but a problem-solving mentality or a an yeah. approach yeah it's it's looking at what's in front of you and figuring out how to move it forward even further right and that's that's this the skill that these students they they are in need of figuring out how this works uh, rather than just being passive about it what am I going to do to make this work right and I, I love it because it's so open. It's so open and, and it's, it's so relatable to anything that we do. Even within our profession, outside of teaching students, when we're working in groups as, as faculty, when we're having meetings, when we're, we're trying to come up with solutions, that's exactly what you need to do. You need people that are gonna be thinking about things, proposing ideas, testing those ideas out, um, be willing to make mistakes, and be willing to try to move this forward. Because, you know, mistakes are part of that process. Mistakes are part of moving forward. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the, that's one of the takeaways from, from over there at, at the big program is that we've got to, our students need to understand that it is important to uh, be okay with, with being a little lost in, in this program. But at the same time, knowing that, knowing that you're you're trying to find your way along you know you're trying to find your way and oh hang on a second what we're trying to do is provide the tools to um to help them through that yeah the skill sets the the curiosity the you know we could debate about that passion piece yeah um but i don't think we need to i think we're on the same page with that so i i would say that the the athletic experience or whatever like that too and I keep thinking about that is it's not my job to play the game for them as a coach um, and one of the things that I've done with my philosophy and we've instilled this in our athletes is uh, especially offensively 
we give them a ton of autonomy to make decisions about where the ball goes on a certain play. It's not just if you don't throw it to that guy, you're wrong and come sit on the bench. So there is a there is a thing about learning through iterations, about making the right choice that, that's most effective. Um, it's not that everything needs to be done one certain way. But uh, I think it's crazy to say that that they – to, to try to say, oh, it is, it, it's best for them to just go try to run a play by themselves. A uh, little guidance is okay, and in fact, it'll help them be as, as, as better than they could have been. But that doesn't mean you go out there and throw the ball for them or whatever or block the – no, you, you teach them how to do it, allow them to do it, allow them to reflect on how well it went, and repeat, you know? And so um, – yeah, I, I I feel like yeah, I it's empowering to students when they're when they're given, you know, here here are three choices you can make instead of let's make you come up here and decide what the world should look like every day. You know, that's not that's not rational. You can have a bigger vision for what you want the world to look like every day and go do go do the work in bits. Right, and I think that's what we've got from this agile process too. Is, you know, think think about the work in thirty-minute segments, and then go go get deep and get lost in that work for thirty minutes, and then come back. Um, so yeah, a little uh, revelation on the way home last night, but good. Well, this has been a shortened version today. Um, our our. Our one four, our fourteen. It's got to wrap up here because we're going to get canceled out by the school day. Uh, any other, any other thoughts before we move move on here? Don't count the days; make the days count. We need that right now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Instagram <All right>. post. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Ciao. All right. Later. <laughs>